Well, are y'all ready for Lisa? <laughs> I know you're thinking, Lisa and you. Well, you know, I'm going to give her a big bulk of this tonight. We've got a treat for you. Did anybody bring your little book on love, the secret to success? How many of you have actually been reading it? How many of you have been reading it and going, oh, help me, Jesus? I love the story Mark tells that when he found the book by Drummond, he read it and he threw it across the room. He said, nobody can live like this. You can if you're born again. And it's not always easy. Did I get any amen? Okay, are you going to go start off? If, if, let me kick off. 45, page 45 in your book. We're going to talk tonight about forgiveness. Yay. 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 And I'm going to let Lisa kick it off here in just a minute. But it's very, very much a part of your love walk. And it's, um, amen, I could say a lot, but I'm going to let her have it. Take off, lady, and uh, you, you start where you want to start. All right, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start somewhere, and we're going to end with this. So we got a treat. Hopefully, we'll get through it in time. I've got a great thing for you at the end. If you'll listen fast, I'll talk fast. You got that? Okay, Matthew 6, 7 through 15. Let's put that up on the screen. Matthew 6, 7 through 15. I'm going to go through this pretty fast. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. In other words, don't say the same thing over and over. Give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. You think for their much praying they'll be heard or for their much repetition. Listen, God, it says he knows what you need before you even have said it. Do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, don't be like them, for your father already knows the things you have need of before you ask him. That doesn't mean you don't ask him. It just says don't ask him 1,500 times for the same thing, right? So in this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be, be your name. Your kingdom come. Your, your will, will be, done. be done on earth as it is in heaven. If 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 whatever's going on your light in your life is not the will of God in heaven, it shouldn't be the will for you down here Amen. on earth. Amen. It says, "Your will be done on earth and in my earth suit." as it is in heaven. Amen? So, listen, this prayer is full of everything you need. <clears throat> it says, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our what? Our debts, as we forgive our debtors. I'm going to stop right there. I want to talk about three things tonight. We're talking about forgiveness, but I want you, if you're writing down, we're going to talk about three aspects of forgiveness. We're going to talk about, number one, forgiveness. Then we're going to talk about how that relates to reconciliation. Then we're going to go and move forward to how that relates to restoration. So for starters, I'm going to tell you what forgiveness is and what it isn't. What forgiveness is in the most simplicity of how I can describe it is releasing the debt, taking the debt credit off the books. So if my son, which he's not going to do, that takes my new car out and he wrecks it and it costs me $3,000 or $1,500 to get it fixed, right, me releasing the debt would say, you don't have to pay the $1,500. 
Now, here's what forgiveness isn't. What forgiveness isn't is when you say, that's okay that you wrecked my car. I'm good. I'm great now. I'm over it. No, I'm not really over it, and I'm not great with that. And so too many times people, people lump forgiveness and reconciliation in the same pot, like, okay, everything's good. We're all back on friendly relations now. No. That doesn't happen all of the time. So let's just stick with forgiveness right now. Right now, I've released the debt from my son. He doesn't have to pay the 1500 Now, if he comes back the next day and asks me if he can drive my car again, I probably won't let him. No. He's got to earn some trust back on that. But I've released the initial debt of $1,500. So that's all that means. That's a pardon. That's all it means. You had a debt that you could not pay that you owed, a debt that you owed that you could not pay. And God came in and he released the debt. And um, we're not going to go there, but the story about the unforgiving servant, right? The, the king was God. And so basically that first servant right under him, actually, I, I looked it up. It doesn't mean Google's right. Google's right about a lot of things. They're not right about everything. But basically, it would take 10 lifetimes for this guy to pay this amount of money back. It said the king settled the accounts. And according to the 10,000 talents or whatever, it was $10 million of our today money. And he settled the account, and he released him of that debt. He couldn't even pay that back in 10 lifetimes. And so when he found a servant under him that owed him, according to Google, 100 denarius, $5 in our today's money. Pastor has said it's $18. $5, $18. It's, it's not a lot. Yada, yada, compared to $10 million, and he threw him in prison. And that's what made the king mad. So the bottom line is, is God... Let's look at that first. God the Father in Christ released you of a debt that you couldn't pay back in 10 million lifetimes. And he's expecting you to do that for others. It doesn't mean you're okay. If someone killed my son, um, that's not okay. I'm not okay with that. He was stolen before the time for him to go. I'm not over it, but I'm also not going to stew and become bitter. I'm going to release the debt because the God in me has shown me how to do it. Does that make sense? So I wanted to make that clear. Would you you know, kinda... th this is something that comes up all the time with marriage and divorce. It also comes up with preachers and sin. A preacher gets caught in sin. And people come and say, just forgive him. Well, what does that mean? Forgive him. Is he back in the pulpit? No. If when, when you've spent... When you've taken your life, and there's a gentleman not too that lived here in Apopka, and he got in back into sin, and he got in a hotel, and he and he and he got back on drugs, and he died. Um, it would have been nice if he could have gone and got help, but the church is very brutal when ministers miss it, and they don't forgive. They don't forgive easily. But the fact is, is that we need to be able to look at a person who is in sin and say. You know what? We're going to restore you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to forgive you, and we're going to work with you. And he said, can I get back in my pulpit? You may not. We've had people come in this church and work in the children's department, and I found them talking not nice to kids. And they came back, you know, and I said, you're out. You're out. Goodbye. 
and they came to church, restored them, walking with God. Six months later, can I go back? No. Until I know I can trust you. That's not unforgiveness. That means, that means you've got something to prove to me. You've got something to prove to society. So what happened when we had a girl that was a mass murderer? She killed a lot of people. And someone went in the prison and led her to the Lord, and she got born again. Well, the church started asking for President Bush to pardon her. No. She went to the electric chair and needed to go. Y'all are awfully quiet. That was not that no one forgave her. What she did to people was brutal. She paid her debt naturally. Did she go to heaven? Yeah. We leave that to God? Yes. But to think that you're going to take a pedophile and turn him back into a children's minister is really not real smart. So we have this idea that somehow or another... um, Pretending you did no wrong and not expecting is really not true. And that's what Lisa is alluding to right now. There's nothing wrong with saying, I forgive you. Can I borrow the car? No. You, you got a bicycle. Use it until you can get your own car. Amen. So do you understand it? Take off. Yeah. So, so as he was saying, sometimes in our lives, it, things are so broken, and maybe they will come back into a restoration mode. But that's what we'll talk about next is reconciliation. Before things can be restored, there has to be reconciliation. And so the sometimes you're not just releasing the debt. Sometimes you have to release the debtor. And what that means is you don't cancel people. They should go to hell. God judge them. That's not what I'm saying. What you're doing is you're releasing them from your life, from your circle of friends, from your intimacy, from your space. Sometimes people don't want, they don't want to reconcile. And so you have to just release that debtor and let them go their way and pray for them. Does that make sense? Just because you forgave someone a debt doesn't mean that immediately you welcome them back into your arms. Because not everybody responds to your forgiveness. So let's go to the first verse I wanted to. Now we're going to talk about brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. Because the world's a whole different thing. But tonight I want to, I want to deal on that. Because there's a lot of immature saints. And we need to do what the Bible says. If we're not going to do what the Bible says, we're not maturing in him. So let's go to Matthew eighteen fifteen. And then Luke 17, 3, Matthew 18, 15, moreover, if your brother, now this is a brother in Christ, or your brother, your family, if your brother sins against you, what are you supposed to do? Go and tell everybody in the church how mad he made you. Get the Monday night prayer group on a prayer chain with you about this person. No, That's not what it says. If someone sins against you, and we're talking about trespassing, we're talking sinning against you. We're not talking about every little fault and every little thing wrong with somebody. We're talking about they sin against you. Go, you go, you you go. go. Now, people don't like to confront, but you need to learn to do that. Listen, you say, I can't talk to him. 
change it to I don't want to. But you need to. You need to cleanse your soul and you go talk. Because someone, you come, someone comes to my office. So you've made somebody mad and I'm not allowed to tell you who it is. You're going to tell me who it is. <laughs> you say they confided in me. They can confide their own sin in you, but they're not confiding mine in you. And you're going to look at them and say, you're going to obey God and you're going to go to the pastor. And if you need me to go with you, I will go with you. But you are going to go. Because they didn't tell you the story. They, they told you what they wanted you to know. If they, and if you want to be reconciled, you're going to have to walk in there and go. Because maybe I did wrong. That has actually happened. I know you don't believe that. But anyway. And there's nothing wrong with me going, I did wrong, and I need you to forgive me, and let's, let's get this thing straightened out. But I can't do that with a mediator who you hadn't told the truth to. That's true. That's true. So when the Bible says you go, it's a part of you growing up. Because you're going to do it at the next church and the next church and the next church. It's called strife. You can't do that. And as tough as it is. Like Mark said one time, he went in there and God told him to go repent to Trina and he walks around, kicks a can around and hooms and haws for 30 minutes because it's just not easy for men to look at a woman and go, I was wrong. She's like, I already knew that. <laughs> so yeah. it says, you go and you tell him his fault between you and him alone. 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 If he hears you, in other words, if he accepts it, you have gained your brother. Now, here is how you do not go to your brother or your sister if they have a fault. I just wanted to tell you that you really hurt me the other day, and I forgive you for this, that, that, and I forgive you. I want to let you know. Listen, no, that is not the right atmosphere to create reunion, if at all possible. Here's the way I'm supposed to do it. Now, you need to turn and face me. Okay, because you're looking at them. No, but the way you would do that is go, what does love do? Love gives the benefit of the doubt. I am sure that you didn't intend to do such and such, but the other day, this is what you said. This is how I heard it, and this you know, this was, and it's not every little thing, okay? This is something that, that's big deal. And I'm sure you didn't intend to do that, and that hurt me. And so I want to get the devil out of our relationship because I know he's behind it. So, you know, let's talk about this. Don't ever come to that person, you're the adversary, you're the enemy, and I'm against you. No, we're brothers, I mean, he's my brother. I'm his sister. We got the same father, you know, whatever. Even in a marriage, okay, you have to come. You have to create the right atmosphere. Believe the best. Even if you think they got out of bed that morning with the mind frame to hurt you for the rest of your life, at least say that I don't think that's what your heart intended to do because if they're born again, Jesus is in their heart. And the heart of them did not intend to do that even though the flesh was weak. You know, something so, Matt Hammond said one time, when, when, let's say Lisa comes to me, the best thing to do is go, tell me what you heard. Yeah. Amen. No, wait a minute, that's not what I said. I want to know what you, I heard this. Right. Okay. I, okay. You have to... Listen, 
most of most of your disagreements with people are a lack of communication, or are or misunderstandings. I said you hurt. I'm like, well, okay. Let me say it a different way. Give, listen, that's called making peace. Mm-hmm. And not just running around mad all the time about something that happened back in 1966. <laughs> yeah. And I actually had a lady say that to me one day. You don't know what they did to me in 1966. And I'm going, good God, lady, you know. <laughs> and her daughter was more on it than she was. I'm like, you weren't even alive yet. Why are you on this? So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so let's read the definition of, so now we're kind of bleeding into a reconciliation. So the definition of reconciliation is restoration of friendly relations. So there's forgiveness. You're releasing the debt, bar none. They may not want to come back into friendly relations. They may not accept what it is that you've confronted them with, or they're wrong. But that's, God told you to forgive. Jesus said, even, it says in Ephesians 4.32, even as Christ, for God's sake, has forgiven you. You forgive like I forgave. Okay, so reconciliation is the restoration of friendly relationships. You're, you're back together. You're reuniting. You're in reunion. You were in union at one time. You got out of union. Now you're reuniting. So that's what reconciliation, and that's what we want to strive for. We want to strive for, and we've got to, Rick Renner says, create, and John Bevere too. They both say create an atmosphere, a good atmosphere. Listen, God does not come to you when you have failed and says, you did this. He says, I rebuke those I love. But he doesn't come to any of us and what go, did he do to Adam? you did this, you did that. What did he, he doesn't do, do that. He said, Adam? He said, where are you? Where are you? What happened here? He's not yeah. going in there blasting Adam. He no. went there and said, Let me. listen, no. if God is going to talk to you, you and I need to start being a little bit nicer to people. Even, even God doesn't think he's God. Thank you, y'all. You know what I mean by that. Where he's he's willing to get down on a knee and go, Adam, yeah. what, what happened in this yeah. garden? I mean, and let Adam, let Adam come to, well, let me tell you what happened. And he asked him, and he, and he listened to what he had to say. <laughs> okay, Eve, what's your story? I mean, where's the devil? He slithered out of here. Well, I'll talk <laughs> to him later. But even God does that. Amen? So okay. reconciliation always involves repentance for that to take an effect. And that's repentance on either side. If, if, if you've come to an agreement that I did this wrong and you did that wrong, whatever, or sometimes it's, it is one person doing all the wrong. It's not always it takes two to tango. It does take two to tango. But there are people that they didn't do anything wrong. To yep. deserve that. Yes. And so it's not always. Their marriages you know, are broke up and it wasn't both people. Sometimes it's not. It was just one. I know that sounds, people, oh, it, it's always both. It is not. So my, here's, a, here's a question. In the garden, how, what did God do to cause that? Say nothing. You're right. Nothing. There's marriages mm-hmm. that fell apart and it was totally one person. Amen. Not that the other person was perfect. We're not talking right. about perfect. Right. We're talking right. about one person totally selfish, running around, there's no reason to. Right. Okay. So someone said, well, it, it's both of us. No, it's not both. 
And so usually when someone's wrong, they will point the finger. Well, they don't put the toilet seat down. Well, that doesn't give you the excuse to go have an affair. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> that, Bel- that. Believe me, people do. <laughs> you wouldn't believe the stuff we talk to people about. <laughs> so 17.3, Luke 17.3, let's read that. Take heed to yourselves. Now listen to this one. If your brother sins against you, this is very similar to what we just read, but it's a little bit of a different twist. Not mistakes. If your brother sins, he trespasses against you, comes in your home and steals all your stuff. Okay. Rebuke him. Rebuke him. Now you don't go around rebuking everybody for every little thing. If someone sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, what? Forgive him. All right. Now, have you ever heard, sorry, I'm going to stand just because I've been sitting too much today. I'm not trying to like overpower my husband or anything, but my back needs to stretch. So he says, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Now, have you ever heard anyone say, I ain't forgiven that person unless they repent and apologize. That is not what that scripture is saying. The Lord is just saying, if he repents, forgive him. Listen, when Jesus was on the cross, he did not have your apologies. He died for you. Lock, stock, and barrel. He took all, he took sin. He took sin, period, on him. Not only did he forgive, he reconciled us. He restored us all in one big hunk back to God on the legal side of redemption. Before we ever knew we needed a Savior, before we could even apologize for those things we were going to do, Jesus said, I'm going to do all those three right now, right here. I'm going to receive them. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, right? It says God in Christ was reconciling the world back to him, not imputing or accounting. It's not on there. It's not on the books anymore. Not imputing their sins against them. It's off the books right? So listen to this, not imputing their trespasses to them and has now committed us to the word of reconciliation. Keep going. Keep going. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you, we beg you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now he already said he reconciled us back to God. Why are they begging us now to be reconciled to God. So there's a legal and there's a vital side. In the NLT, it says, we beg and plead with you, come back to God. Why? Because there needs to be a response on our end vitally. Jesus did it on his end. Now he's looking for you to come in and be reconciled and say, how do you do that? By three things. You, you you, You accept it by acknowledging your sin. That's the first step to you being reconciled vitally. You accept it by acknowledging your sin. You repent. That means you turn from it, and you put your faith 100% in the blood of Jesus. You remember the, um, the prodigal son we called the sons, but he was in the pigsty, and he went, and I've messed up. Very often people want their marriage to go on but you, at some point, when you, if you've messed up, you need to come back and go, I'm wrong. Yeah. I have talked to people before, and, and they're like, well, I want my wife to do this. I want my wife. We're not talking to your wife. We're talking to you right now. You need to come clean. You didn't sin because she did. You sinned because you wanted to. 
Do you understand? No one makes you sin. I know people in bad marriages and their spouse didn't sin. You understand that? No one's making you do anything. It's called you have to come to grips with the fact that you're the way you are because it's a choice you made. And quit blaming everybody for your choice. And there's not going to be a reconciliation until you do. And a lot of times the spouse is like, well, I'd take them back if they'd get right with God. But, but they, you know, they don't want to. So you understand you're going to go out and find someone else. You, you have not changed. That's right. Amen. Amen. So let's put up and let's read together Ephesians 4.32. This is great to always go to, Ephesians 4.32. And be kind. Be kind. <laughs> Even when you're going to your brother and you're confronting him of trespassing against you, brother, your sister, whatever, um, you can be kind in that. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Say, I want to get the devil out of our relationship. So let's see what we can do. That way, he, she is off the defensive, offensive, whatever. Don't go in there, you know, waving both barrels. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving, release the debt. Forgiving one another, how? Even as God in Christ forgave you. When you ask Jesus, when you ask the Lord to forgive you, bam, you're right back. Where, where you were before. He's not cold-shouldering you. He's not letting you stew in it for a while. He's not trying to make you suffer because you need to understand you don't need to ever do that again. He's not doing any of that to you. He, you are right back into fellowship, right where you left off, and he's good to go. Amen? So I want to read something out of Mark's book. It's on page 45. It's a statement that he makes, and for a while I never knew what he meant. I knew what he meant because I've, done, I've actually dealt with skunks. You may be able to whip a skunk, but you may not want to. Mm. Just because you can slap one, you might want to leave it alone. That's true. Anyway, if you've never been around polecat or skunk, you don't know what we're talking about. So go out tonight, slap one, come back next month. That smell is in your nose forever. Long time. When they spray you. That's the nastiest smell. And I'm, I'm, when I get to heaven, God, what in the world were you thinking? Listen, my husband ran over a skunk on the highway going to Georgia one time, and the windows were open just a little bit. Oh, and that smell was in, in my nose for the next three hours. I picked up one when I was a kid on the side of the road, and I was going to scan it, and I thought, it was a bad idea. Ooh. My mother wouldn't let me anywhere near the house for a while. <laughs> anyway, so, so listen to this. You may be able to whip a skunk, but you may not want to. These words were spoken to me by an experienced old-time preacher. I felt mistreated and was complaining to the minister about friends who had done me wrong. Have y'all ever sang, somebody done somebody wrong song? I know none of y'all have ever had anybody do you wrong, and I'm it's, I'm just talking to me and, um, just and, me and, and Amber here. <laughs> I wanted to get even with these people, and I was sure the minister would understand. Have you ever? God, get them. <laughs> okay. As I explained my situation, the minister said these powerful words that I have never forgotten. You may be able to whip a skunk, but you may not want to. Anytime you want to get back at someone, always remember the skunk. The first step to walking in God's love is to forgive. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave us 
page two, himself. God's love nature is in you and would not require you to do something you can't do. God is faithful to just to forgive us our sins, but to forgive us. And now listen, I'm going to read something to you out of 1 Peter. If you all want to follow me, please go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. Let me just read this because this has been a powerful scripture to help me in my life. Lisa is quick to forgive. I'm not. It takes me a week. Not anymore. Not anymore. You're pretty fast now. I just look like I forgave you. No, I'm just, <laughs> oh, okay. no, not really, not really. Y'all ready? This scripture right here, I've had to read it to myself over and over. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only the good and the gentle, but also who? The harsh. Oh, my God. I ain't, I ain't put up with that. For this is commendable because of conscience toward God you endure grief, suffering wrongfully. What credit is it when you are beaten for your faults and you take it patiently? But when you do good and you suffer and you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. To this you are called. Mm. I have a call on my life. Yeah, you do. That's it. Right there. <laughs> That's the call. <laughs> because Christ suffered for you and left an example mm. that you would follow in his steps. Not, not retaliating. You, your, your flesh will suffer. That's true. Because you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to slap you. So, someone said one time, said I only have two cheeks. Never mind, y'all didn't get that. <laughs> Who committed no sin, nor deceit was found in his mouth. And when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. But when he suffered, he didn't threaten. He committed himself to him who judges righteously. What does that mean? They're not going to get away with it. That's true. But That's it's true. not your bad. You're not judge. You're okay. not judge. There's the ki- there. See, mm, you, you're thinking judge. they need to pay. That's not your job. You're not judge. You are not God. That's God's son or God's daughter or a heathen. And whatever it is or whoever it is, you leave that to God and you cut it loose because this is going to affect you. Yeah, yeah. This is going to get you out of fellowship with God and people. And you don't want to walk around bitter. I'm going to tell a story real quick, and I'm going to give it back to Lisa. When, when, I, when I divorced my first wife and, she, and things began to happen in our home with the girls, I got very bitter. I got very angry. And I told God, I said, give me the stoning law for one hour, <laughs> and I'll fix this. And I was serious. And I woke up one morning, and I had arthritis in my knees so bad. You, Lisa can tell you this is true. I couldn't get, I couldn't, I had to swing my legs out of bed. They were like two logs. He was only 34. And I was so only mad 34. at God. And I said, she's wrong, and I'm sick. Mm. Mm. Don't shout me down. Yeah. And he said, forgive. And I said, no. He said more than he that. He said, well, you stay in this condition. <laughs> it, it got to the point where it was going to forgiveness or I'm, and I, I kept thinking, this is so unfair. This is the scripture. That's not your concern. Mm-hmm. You leave it. What are you praying about? My daughters. Pray about your daughters and I'll answer your prayer. But you leave this alone. There's, I'm sounding my hand. Do you all get that? Do you understand? Every, Satan uses this against all of us. 
If you're walking with God, count on someone ticking you off. Boy, y'all are quiet. And you're going to have to walk away and go, not my problem. It's not that you're being weak. This takes strength. Yes, it does. To do. To give it to God. Let me finish this. Like, well, I'm not going to read that. Himself bore our sins in his own body. You ever wonder how that ties in to the one before that? Talking about healing? You might want to read that. Then, then 3, 9. Do not return evil for evil, revile for revile, but on the contrary, bless them. Knowing you were called, on the contrary, you might receive a blessing. Amen. Go ahead. So, so the truth is, in order, we were talking to reconciliation, now we're going to go to restoration. That full, in order to receive or to walk in full reconciliation, what do they need to do for you first? And this is, and I want you to think about God too, because this is what I just said with God on the vital side of redemption. What that brother or sister needs to do with you first in order to come back into full reconciliation, they must first, number one, hear you. If their ears are closed and they don't want to hear you, that's pride. I don't want to hear that I'm wrong. It says if your brother hears you, you have gained your brother. So first, in order to walk in the light of full reconciliation, they must hear you. Then they must accept the fault. Oh, that's, that's really hard. If they got past the hearing point, now they've got to get to the, I accept my fault in this. That takes a lot of humility. But you're doing that with God, too. You're going to hear the gospel. You're going to accept your fault in this. And then you're going to repent. And then they're going to repent. And then after that, that will move them on to restoration. What is restoration? We're talking about relationship now, but this all uh, is the same with you and God. The act of returning something to its former condition or making it brand new. If any man is in Christ he's and he's accepted that, he's a new So what creation. happened to Peter when Peter denied Jesus? Pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. I don't even know him. Who went and found Peter? Jesus. Jesus restored him. Mm -hmm. And he walks up and he says, do you love me? And Peter's like, well, you know good and well I don't love him. I'm out here trying to catch a fish, and you're out here bothering me about whether I love you. You know. And he's embarrassed. (laughs) Yeah, true. But Jesus is after this relationship, and he didn't cause it. No, he didn't cause it. Amen. Well, when they come find me, we'll get right, right. Why don't you go find them and get right yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I'm going to read another scripture to you here, Mark 11, 25. And when you stand praying, Brother Hagin said, when I don't get my prayers answered, this is the first place I look. Now, he didn't, now we're talking about unforgiveness and sin, but he didn't even mention sin here. Listen to it. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything, anything against anyone. And King James says, ought. You ought not have done it. Anything. Anything. Any little anything. thing. Anything. They didn't look at me right. That's anything. 
You'd be surprised at what, how little it takes to get you out of fellowship with God. <laughs> anything is anything. That means if you came to church on Sunday morning, they might have been someone that ticked you off or you ever got out of the building. It said, Woo, thank for, you, it said forgive them. Amen. Release it. That is a part Amen. of your life, and you're going to spend a lot of time with an ought, re, ought remover. So if there's any young people in here that got their phone, Google, Apple, whoever, um, I did not write this down for the screen, but there is a scripture in the Word of God. Now, this is the, this is the opposite of what we just read about the brother that has sinned against you. It says, if you come before the altar, you bring, before you bring your gift to the altar, this is another, there's a total another verse. If you bring your, before you bring your gift and lay it at the altar for the Lord, if you remember that someone has something against you, now I'm not talking about petty stuff that, you know, people are offended all the time. I'm talking about if you remember that someone really is carrying something against you, it says before you, even if you're right and they're wrong, that's not the point of this scripture. It says, nope, you didn't find it. Nobody found it. Okay, so it says that leave your gift before, before you leave your gift at the altar, go find that person that you, that you remembered has something against you and try to square it away before you leave your gift at the altar. Now, nobody does that. Nobody does that. I do. Because you think you're in the right. There I've, you go. I've gone to people before. Leave your gift there I before the altar. Go your way. Problem. I don't know what it was. First be what? Reconciled to your brother. At least try. At least try. And then come and offer your gift. Give, give me the verse before that. Verse 23. Tracy, you got it? Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember, and there remember, and there remember. It's a big deal. that Your brother has something against you. Go seek him out. So what's he saying? He wants you and I to walk in love toward each other. Yeah. And he wants us to believe the best. Be a peacemaker. Do your best to reconcile. If they don't, leave it alone. Pray for them. That's for your benefit. Don't be, a bit, don't be bitter. Now, let me ask you another question. When's the last time you've ever heard someone say, you don't know how what you did made me feel? Mm. Your feelings need to get saved. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. No way in the world for you to run around monitoring everyone's feelings. That's true. I, sometime, there was a day, and, and I, I, you don't know who it is. I don't come out between services anymore because there's always one person that wants to get into a two-hour conversation with me because you don't want to come back to church. You're already here. So may I have a minute? That's number one lie. <laughs> and then after you've told me the story for 30 minutes and I say, I need to go in there, church is beginning, and then you say, you don't know how that made me feel. Honey, I can't help how that made you feel. I only work one day a week and I got to go to work. <laughs> You'd be surprised at how many people will stop me because they, they want to unload 20 years of problems Sunday morning between... I, there's no way in the world I can fix that between two services or well, on the way out the door. Well, here's the deal. It's convenient. It's convenient, but, but you got hurt. 
but you leave work and you miss pay to go see your dentist and your doctor. You come to your employer and go, I got a dentist appointment at 10. I'm sorry, I can't be here. I'll be in late today. But with church, you'll never call and make an appointment with pastor on Tuesday during the day because you work for a living. You got to make the money. So come see me in between the two services. All right. Do you know how that made me feel? (laughs) Do you know how that made me feel? No. And don't care. Make an appointment. Put your flesh Dr. under. Dr. Daryl Morgan. Are y'all in. getting that? <laughs> and I'm talking me, but but how many times has someone said something to you and it brought up something from your past? They don't know that. That's true. It, you know, there are things I've been through in life and it was hard to get over. And you may be ignorant. True. And you bring it up and you're like, did I say something? I go, yeah, but it's me right now. You have to leave me alone. I just had a thought. So, you know, your feelings are your feelings, but they're not truth. They're not always true. It has nothing to do with your love walk. Amen. That's why the Bible says put your flesh under because that's a feeling. It's just a feeling. You yeah. know, movies, would there wouldn't be a movie on TV you'd watch if they didn't get into your emotions. That's true. Boring. <laughs> there's no love story like I mean, why, all the love stories they have to get in a fight always it's the dumbest fight a, they're going to fight and it's going to be stupid and, and then they reconcile and you're like oh can we watch a cowboy movie or something you know okay. and are y'all getting this and yet as a Christian Satan knows this yes yes and he is going to try his best to get you out of fellowship with somebody. And you're going to have to be bigger than that. Amen. God loves you unconditionally. Yes, he does. That is not an easy way to live your life, is it? Unconditional love. I love you, period. So if you love it when God receives you back just like that with open arms and a happy face and we're all good, then you do that to others. That doesn't mean you trust everything they do. Listen, God doesn't trust everything we do. He doesn't like say, hey, I want you to go do this job after you've robbed a bank. He, but he does when we repent. When we repent, he takes us back and he loves us through it and he helps us grow. But he's not sending you to be the finance manager at, at so-and-so Rodney Howe Brown's church. Okay, this is what we were talking about. But he's still good. He loves you. And he's going to see you through it, and he's going to believe the best of you. And that's just what he's asking you to do for people. I mean, use common sense, but treat them good. So God has asked us when people walk in here to love them. No, don't, don't get mad at me. He did not say we had to trust him. That's true. He just says we, you know, so people come in there and say, I have a call God on my life. I don't work in the ministry. Well, come on in. Let us get to know you. Mm-hmm. We, I want to get to know you. Yeah. And that's, there's a time element in this. I don't know what you're made out of. You know, well, God, I'm not God. I, I need to get to know you for a little while. <laughs> and, and so that, you know, time, this, is, this is working with people. And some of, some of it, you just have to trust God. Amen. 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 So I have something great to read you, and then we're going to watch a little video clip. It's only five minutes long. So I'm going to say this about the video. The movie that she's going to show you. No, you can't talk about it yet. We're not ready to go there yet. Okay, okay, okay. Just, okay. They need to watch the movie. Just, 
I forgive you. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> all right. So we read this all the time on communion. We just had communion this last Sunday. For as often as you eat this bread, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. We all love that. Verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, that, that is not you, you sinned last week, but you repented, but it's still bothering you. That's not dr- drinking the cup in an unworthy manner. So this is what we're talking about. Whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Now he's going to explain. Let a man examine himself and let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. He's talking about the communion elements, right? Communion with people. For he who eats and drinks in unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So here's, here's what was happening. People were coming in, they were having a meal, they were coming and going, they were taking communion, not with each other, they were getting drunk. This is not how we do it in our culture, but they were having a meal, they were coming in, they weren't waiting for one another to have the communion supper. And they were getting drunk, some would take it, some wouldn't, some would go home, and it says it later down here. What? Not discerning the Lord's body. That's not just meaning you don't understand the body of the Lord broken for you. I had a minister on TV, a well-known minister. He said, it just means you don't understand what God did for you. No, that is not only what that means. They were not discerning the body of Christ. They were not walking in love towards one another. And so as you see this down here, it says... For this manner, for this reason, verse 30, many are weak and sick, weak and sick, and many among you sleep, premature death. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Now, here's the reason. When we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, now this was an issue here, but we're talking about walking in love across the board with people. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, this was a supper, wait. Wait for one another. Don't get drunk. You come, you go. You drink, you take it. You're not waiting for one another. It says, wait for one another. If you're hungry, eat your meal at home. But when you come together, let's do this in honor and reverence of the Lord. That's not discerning the body correctly, lest you all come together for judgment. Basically, what he's saying is you're not walking in love towards one another. And now because of that. You're not honoring one another. You're not you're loving weak one and another. You're weak and you're sick. You're being very selfish. So. Ready to show you. So I want to give you, and you can say to what you want to in just a second about this movie. I'm going to tell you what this movie is. Don't hit play yet because I am running you through this movie very quickly because we don't have the time to watch a 45-minute movie documentary. But when you go home, you should watch it. You should watch the full it's thing. It's a great movie. And so basically it's about a guy named Ian, and he was stung by five jellyfish in the Philippine Islands, the Indian Philippine Islands, uh, somewhere over there off the, in the Indian Ocean. And so one jellyfish sting was enough to kill him, but he was stung in the face by five. 
And so he wasn't a Christian. He was not a Christian. And so he tells the story of that when he got out of the seas in the boat by himself, somehow he finally made it to see yada, 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 I mean, to the beach. And he's, he's stumbling around. He's trying to get someone to help him. He asked a taxi driver. They would not they would not help him. They kept asking, you got money? Yeah, I got money, all this. They just kept belaboring. And he's getting worse and worse and worse until he's about to pass out. They accused him of being on drugs. They accused drunk. him of being drunk. And he wasn't. And so he was dying, basically. Finally, the taxi driver put him in the, put him in the cab and said, I'm not taking you to the hospital, which he wanted to go to the hospital. He says, I'm just going to take you as far as your hotel because I know you don't have no money to pay me. He drops him off at his hotel. So I'm catching you up on the movie where we're coming in. He drops him off at the hotel, and a Chinese, there's some Chinese men there. They're making fun of him. He's begging them, please take me to the hospital. He, he, he's basically half dead. Finally, one of the boys, young boys, in the village, in the hut, area where he lives recognized him. I think his name was Danny or Daniel or something. And he actually got the help he needed, took him to the hospital. So now he's in the ambulance slipping away. So here, hit play. Hit play. If you can turn the the lights off, please, and listen to what he says about the Lord's prayer. He does not know the Lord. Uh, There you go. As we race towards the hospital, Pull it up a I little start bit. to see on the Volume. inside of the ambulance what appears to be a small boy with white hair. I see sections of some kid's life with snow white hair. I then realize as I'm looking at it that this is me. This is sections of my own personal life. I thought, am I that close? With my mind, I did a mental check, you know what I mean? Of my own vital signs. My mind told me I am very close to death. As I'm lying there, I think, well, I I could be that close to death. I may not make it. Well, I'm lying there having no idea what to do next, and I see appear before me a clear vision of my mother. She looked straight up into my eyes. She said these words. She said, Ian, no matter what you've done in your life, son, no matter how far from God you may be, if you will but call out to God from your heart, God will hear you, and God will forgive you, son. I thought, well, if there is a God, which one? I'd seen thousands. I'd travelled through Kandy, Sri Lanka, been through Bora Batur. I'd been to so many different places. And I'm lying there, I thought, okay, God, if you're real, show yourself. I used to say, unless I see God, I won't believe. Well, I lay there, I'm going, show yourself, and I'll pray. No face appeared. My mother kept saying, pray from your heart. said that, words began to appear before my eyes. Forgive us our trespasses and sins. I thought, how on earth could God forgive me? I mean, it's too late. I've done too many things wrong. God. God, if you are real, 
God's appeared. Forgive those who have trespassed and sinned against you. After that means forgive other people. I can do that. I'm not a vindictive person by nature. God, I can forgive anyone. No matter what people have done to me, I forgive those that have sinned against me. As I said that, the face of the Indian taxi driver appeared in front of me. I thought, what on earth is this man doing here? The voice said, will you forgive this man for pushing you out of his taxi tonight and leaving you for dead on the side of the road? I thought, no, you must be joking. Not forgiving him. I mean, I was furious with that guy. And the next minute, the Chinese guy's face appeared in front of me. I thought, what on earth is he doing here? And the voice said, will you forgive this man for not taking you in his car tonight and leaving you to die in the hotel? I thought, no. As I saw both of these men's faces, I thought, what on earth is going on? This isn't just some mumbo-jumbo prayer. I could actually be talking to someone who could be God. This voice is actually personalizing this prayer to me. faces instantly disappeared the next words came thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven I thought thy will I've led my own will so I said God I need to know your will that if you can help me through this I'll seek it out I'll find it and I'll follow you I'll honor you all the days of my life as I said that the entire Lord's Prayer appeared before me and for the first time in life I had total revelation of what it meant thy kingdom come Thy will be done. And as I lay there, I felt an amazing peace settle upon me. I knew somehow, deep in my heart, that prayer had changed from something that I did, like repetitious stand-up, sit-down-and-kneel type thing through the liturgy. It had changed dramatically, and that I actually prayed for my inner man. So I want to share a little bit about this movie. At the beginning of it, his mother is a spirit-filled Christian. And he, as a young man, said, I want to go into the world and have fun. He's a surfer in California, and he goes to every country where there's a wave. He starts partying, smoking, drinking, and just raising cane. The night he went out with a bunch of friends of his fishing at night was when he got among the stingrays. But his mother, the Lord, woke her up and said, pray for Ian now. And she began to pray for him he saw her face. Now, the movie's powerful. But, the Lord, but he started having visions of all the people that night that had done him wrong. And the Lord said, because in the movie, in real life, he left his body in the hospital. And he's standing in blackness. And the Lord said, you need to forgive. You need to. He's about to go to hell. And God's dealing with him in the prayer of the Lord's Prayer. Now, I'm going to share a little story with you that has changed my life completely. In the movie of um, Reinhard Bonnke, where the pastor was mad at his wife. Pastor and Daniel. He, and he, what's his name? Pastor Daniel. Pastor Daniel. I forgot his last he name. He got mad at her because of the culture of Africa. They don't treat women very well. He kicked her out of the house and told her to go home to her father. She came back and said, please 
forgive me for what I did. And he said, I will not. Mm. He was a preacher. And he died and left his body. In a car and went, accident right after that. In a car accident that day and went, to, and went to heaven. And he's standing outside the heaven and he's watching people worship God. And he said to the angel, am I going in? And he said, you are not. He said, your wife asked you to forgive and you would not. You're not going to heaven. He was on the other side of the gates. He's going to hell. He said, he said, you can't come in. You can't come in. You, you can't. have unforgiveness. You can't come in. Mm. His, the Lord laid it on his wife to take the dead body to Reinhardt's meeting where he was raised from the dead. In the basement. In the basement of the building. Now, there was enough now, power Now, Reinhardt the wrote the whole, I mean, I got the video in my office, raised mm. from the dead. Mm. But, but had it not been for her prayers, he'd be in hell. And so, and so when, when he was raised from the dead, he start, you know, he came back from, he, he was stiff and then he started coughing and, and anyway, the story is real, really neat, but he was down in the basement. They took the corpse, stuck it in the basement, Reinhardt's preaching upstairs. The anointing went downstairs and raised that man from hell. Hmm. So when he came back, he, he, he reconciled with his wife. Yes, you would too. And then his testimony was, my wife and I now travel teaching people to forgive. Amen. So after I, after I watched that, I went back to, to Matthew, and he says, if you do not from your heart forgive those who trespass, neither will God forgive you. All of your sins are back on you. Yeah. You don't know what they did. Get over it. It's not a little thing. This is not a, well, you know, no, this is huge. He forgave you a billion dollar debt. It cost him, you you sent him to the cross. You sent him to the cross. Yes, amen. What did someone do to you? So go to Matthew 18, 32 through Anyway, that's. That, so in this story we just watched, powerful story. Matthew 18. He came back from the dead. Jesus healed his body and he came back. He's out preaching right now. I don't know where he is in the world. So let's read this together. Matthew 18, 32. Matthew 18, 32. Then his master, that's the king, that's God, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because, because you, you begged, begged me. me. Verse 33. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? Verse 34. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses from Does the heart. Does it matter what they did? <laughs> That's Give that to God. Amen. Leave it alone. Bitterness is, listen, remember me talking about my ex? You don't want to go bitter. I mean, you, you're, taking, you're taking poison hoping the other person dies. You've heard that. It's harming you. 
That is the reason Satan brings people across your path mm -hmm. to get under your skin. And it's, someone said 80% of the church is offended. That's too many people running around mad. So I'm going to suggest to you, if you guys would like me to send a church email out, I'll send you the link to that video. It's 40, 40 minutes long. It's the documentary video. I'm not going to, they made one on Netflix, but the, I'm going to send you the documentary. The first time we saw it was 700 Club. So I'm also going to, um, I'm going to send that to you, but I'm also going to recommend that you all go to Amazon Buy used, buy new, buy whatever, but buy John Bevere's book, The Bait of Satan. The yeah. Bait of Satan. John Bevere, B-E-V-E-R-E. -E. And uh, you will never be the same after you read that book. It will set you free. So let's pray. Well, Amen. let me do this for you. Okay. That scripture right there has caused me to go. I ain't going to hold on. <laughs> and I mean, it, it's... The word will set you free. Yes. That word is not a bondage. That word is a freedom word. And I remember many a time I'm going, God, I don't know why. I don't know what their problem was, but I'm going to pray for them because mercy triumphs over, over judgment. judgment. So Amen. I'm going to be merciful because you were so merciful to me. Amen. And because you had mercy on me, I'm going to be merciful. If it wasn't for what he did for us, we would have no foundation to walk in love. But we have no excuse. Do we all agree on that? Now, we're among each other, and all of us have faults. We all have issues. But we need an atmosphere when we come into church that we love each other, and it's genuine. If I see that Amber's doing something not right, I don't agree with it, I don't like it, I go home and go, Father, she probably doesn't understand, but I'm surrounded with faith and love. What would I want her to do if I was in those shoes? Believe the best, pray for me, Love me and let God fix it. Is that what you want? Is that's what you want, isn't it? Well, then that's do unto others. How many of y'all enjoyed tonight? Amen. How many of you got some stuff you need to get under the Amen. blood? Come so on. Why don't we just pray right now? Everyone stand with us. Everyone stand with us. Amen. You can go back to Matthew 6 for a minute. Matthew 6, verse 7. Matthew 6, verse 7. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now I want you to put one hand up in the air and I want you to say, Heavenly Father, right now, it's a decision I make. I forgive. I forgive. Everyone. Everyone. That I have ever, ever had any ought against. Had any ought against. No matter how small. No matter how small. No matter how large. No matter how big. I release it I to release you. I release it to you. I am not judged. I will not be You're judged. The judge. uh, you're the judge. I release them of the debt. I put them in your hands. I put the situation in your hand. I forgive them. And I go free. In Jesus' name. Kenneth Amen. Hagin said, anytime I don't get my prayers answered, 
That's the first place I look. And I, I've made it a, a point that I go, okay, last week, two, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah, okay. And I'm going to tell you something. When you come into church and you start worshiping, it it'll pop. Take care of it right there. Right Don't, there. That's not the devil. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it, those things are popping in front of you because you need to go, okay, I'm in your presence now and I need to deal with this. Father God, and just stop right there and pray for them and, and, and get, get it right mm-hmm. and then move on. And you'll have sweet presence of God. But that's why a lot of people in church sing like this. If you've lost your joy. They got off. You're out of fellowship. Yeah, that's true. You say, yeah. Just that face means you're out of fellowship. <laughs> <laughs> now the Lord said he'd forgive us how many times in a day? 490 times. Listen. 70 times if, 7. If you're at 490 right now, go home. Go, go to bed. bed. Right now. <laughs> Amen. Isn't this good? Amen. You know, this was, I asked Lisa, I said, take this tonight. And um, it's a powerful subject. This is so powerful that in the middle of our talking on love, I wanted to get into this. I wanted to spend some time because Satan uses this against you more than you'd like to know. And there's people out there that will do something to you, say something to you. Just go, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And usually the hardest ones are your family or people that you're close to. Yeah. So you have to do that. Amen. Did y'all enjoy this? God bless you. Have God a good bless night. Everyone. You have a great- we hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.